Hello and welcome to the next episode of Lost in Criterion. I'm John Patrick Oitari Dorkin, and with me, as always, is a man who used to play in cesspools as a child. <laughs> I am the Adam Glass, and when you grow up in a war-ravaged country, uh, cesspools just naturally form, and they make really great places to play with your toy soldiers. Yeah, and get weird diseases. Well, not and weird, weird diseases, di- common I mean, diseases. Listen, but they're pretty normal diseases. Yeah, it's just not good diseases, I should say. Super, super common, actually, given the situation. Yeah. So, uh, not weird. Hey, speaking of weird diseases, I uh, I ran across a news article last night that suggested that um, uh, coronavirus may have been in North Italy before it was in China. I don't... Well, I figured that's like a going to be. This is probably going to end up being like in like thirty years. This is going to be a Spanish flu thing, right? Where they're yeah. going to be like, uh, actually, just so you know, turns uh, out it started in California. Yeah, people are dumb and yeah. uh, just also racist. So, well, I mean, I think they feel like they go hand in hand a lot of times. Dumb and racist. Uh, unfortunately, yeah. there's a lot of very intelligent racist people. Pet. That's all. Can I interest you in Douglas Murray? <laughs> Can I interest you in Thomas Jefferson? I, don't know. I was leaning more towards the idea that that one can exist without the other, but the other may or may not. Like I don't know. It's anyway. It's just I a don't, fascinating uh, thing. I didn't investigate it further, and it was preliminary research presented in a headline. So I don't know that that uh, in any way it was something that will hold out to be true. But anyway. I would submit that it also doesn't matter it doesn't uh, as much as people like so to talk about it. The location yeah. where a virus starts is functionally relevant to what it does and right. how it has to be treated. Right, right. I think you'll find uh, the coronavirus has to be treated with thermonuclear war against China per... Yeah, that seems to be the plan. Um, all options are on the table, okay? Granted, whenever, uh, whenever we say all options are on the table. While they're engaged in hand-to-hand stick fights in India, but... <laughs> uh, geopolitical... Everything's terrible. Am I right, folks? Uh, anyway. <laughs> you are right. I'll be here uh, all week. That voice you hear is Donovan Hill, uh, who's joining us this week because we're talking about a uh, Kurosawa film. And, of course, we, we like to invite Donovan to talk about Kurosawa films. Can I? What? I'm, I, I'm struck by a question, though. And How Robocop. many non-samurai Kurosawa films have we invited him to? Robo- that's the question. Uh, Robocop, I think. That's not a okay. Kurosawa well, film. Well, that's a famous Kurosawa film. <laughs> Robocop, <laughs> Aliens. We did right. well, also that was famously a by Kurosawa. <laughs> I think, I think, uh, I think Donovan missed the question that you're I think asking. so non, too. But non non samurai Kurosawa films, oh. non Kurosawa um, films. I'm going to say then. Uh, sorry, yes, I did mishear you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but I think the final answer was much better. Because yeah, of also, that. yeah. I also just I'm, I I both misheard you and am keeping my answer of non non Kurosawa films, uh, RoboCop. And <laughs> aliens, yeah. yeah. Uh, um, sort of doom. The Musashi uh, trilogy. Yeah. Well, oh, you've, right. you've yeah, certainly been right. on samurai films that weren't Kurosawa films, right? Um, but uh, but, but we have yeah. had you on for at least at least one Kurosawa film that wasn't a samurai. Film. I was just trying to well, remember probably. how many it had been. Bad sleep well you were on for. Right, yeah. right, right. I was just trying to. Remember I'd like how to many update was, that classic like, episode by informing our viewers uh, that the bad continue to sleep well.
Well, before we get too much deeper into this, I do want to talk about our Patreon real quick. Patreon.com slash Lost in Criterion. Uh, over there for just a dollar a month, you get access to a bonus episode. Uh, and uh, that's fun, right? It's always a non-Criterion film. You get to vote on what we're going to listen to. Or, uh, well, what we're going to talk about. What we're going to watch and talk about. And what then you're you'll get to listen to, to it, I guess. Yeah, it, right. But anyway, um, <laughs> words are hard. Uh but yeah, a dollar a month gets you access to that bonus stuff. And Donovan, as he said, has been on some really great episodes over there. Aliens, chief among them, was just a phenomenal episode. The greatest episode um, we've ever done, period. Yeah. And, but uh, for a little extra, $5 a month, we, uh, we you obviously get access to the lower tier, but you also get thanked on air. Uh, currently, there are no $5 a month supporters because recently all of our $5 a month supporters popped up to $10 or above a month. Which We're is very amazing. grateful for them. How do we trick them At into the that? Ten, uh, pfft, lies. I don't know, Filthy man. lies, pretty yeah. much. Disease-induced uh, some recession. Sort of, some sort of hysteria, like, yes. You know yeah. what? We should, we should give these people more money. Um, we do gratefully appreciate it. The $10 and above a month uh, is, uh, is a great... Uh, great piece of uh propaganda material i think too uh well pat makes a piece of art based on one of the movies we watched recently uh so it's patiganda i think um, yes the and, best kind of propaganda is patiganda and i get that i get that our finest our finest solo based macaroni pictures <laughs> yes oh yes, god <laughs> which unfortunately i i cursed myself by choosing that it has to be a movie we watched in the month that i send it out right, because right. i can never go back and like do some of the some of the ones that have popped into my head that would be yeah. really interesting to do, but alas, I'm not allowed because nah. I made rules for myself and then now feel like I need to follow yeah, them. Com- completely arbitrary, but still great. Um, Pat's done some really great stuff as part of that. We do also like to thank those $10 and above supporters <laughs> on air. Uh, and, uh, you know, there's a, there's a nice little list of them now. Thank you so much to Jason Westhaver, to Adam Speakerman, to Christopher Otto, Michael McGrath, and Jonathan Hape, who uh, does our music and has decided to give us $10 a month in exchange for awesome. us also using his art. Using his music for free. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it's, so, uh, yeah. Uh, it's beautiful. So thank you so much for all of that. That, again, is patreon.com slash lost in criterion if you want to get on in on it. And we greatly appreciate those who have. Uh, so this week we are talking about a non-samurai Akira Kurosawa film and the first Akira Kurosawa film with Toshiro Mifune in it, the very first one. Uh, we're talking about Drunken Angel from 1948. Uh, this might be the earliest Kurosawa we've ever watched for the collection. It, it would be because it's before Stray Dogs. Yeah. And we've never seen the one that was made before this, 46. I mean, there's. I don't think we've ever watched anything. I don't. I'd have to look, but like Kurosawa was a, was a young new director at that time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so um, I'm, I'm going to guess probably no. I'm not looking at his filmography right now, but I really, I feel like that's got to be true. I've, I'm headed there because, but goddamn, his Wikipedia page is long. Um, it's true, and then also <laughs> doesn't have the filmography on it. It's it's linked in the middle. Of, yeah, of, I of love it when they do that. When they're like, yeah. oh, we're not going to like make this easy for you to find. You're going to so read Stray, this whole article. Yeah, Stray Dog was 1949, and then uh, Rashomon, 1950, The Idiot, 51. We watched Ikaru, 52. Um, Seven Samurai, 54. Right. But prior to this, One Wonderful Sunday, No Regrets for Our Youth, The Man Who Tread on the Trigger's Tale, 
uh, Sanshiro Sugata, uh, parts one and two. Um, and I, uh, I don't know that any of those even I don't are know. extant. I don't even know that yeah. those are things you can even actually see, honestly. Yeah. It's yeah. possible. But considering, like, most Kurosawa films have really detailed Wikipedia synopses, yeah. and those three films or four films have basically nothing. Yeah. Uh, um, well, it's actually, one, one, except for one wonderful Sanchino Sunday. Sugata has it. Well, that's one, a post-war film, which makes it, like, right. different. Easier, right? <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, yeah, One Wonderful Sunday I've seen clips of, so I'm pretty sure it at least exists. Um, but, yeah, yeah. So he started in 1943, Obviously, while the war was still happening, and this is uh, 48, very close post-war. Um, definitely takes place post-war. Uh, In the famous downtown poisonous bog district of Japan. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, yeah, pretty much. Tur- turns out uh, um, a surprising turns out a lot a, of Japan a, was built out of those yeah, at the time. Yeah, Bad a, construction material. A non-surprising material. amount of Japan is, is below sea level. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, pretty much... Uh, if you blow a hole in it, um, yeah, fills with fills with bog water. Turns out, yeah, when you pretty much when you bomb a hole in the middle of every city, uh, yeah, multiple uh, times. Yes, especially Tokyo. Well, not Tokyo. Yeah. Just like, yeah, I mean, you know, but whatever. It's it's um, yeah. I mean, like Kurosawa, they talk about it in that. Um, in that uh, documentary that follows after this, that that I watch, that we watched, um, talks on about the Criterion uh, this, DVD. Yeah, and, yeah, that talks about the Joe. censorship and the fact that you weren't supposed to show, uh, you know, what Tokyo, like occupation Tokyo, actually looked like, and and because you know, I guess, and, and they're like, it's an interesting thing to think about because basically, you're you weren't allowed to show pictures of the occupation partially. You were like was part of it, right? No English signs, like. Nothing to yeah. indicate in the movie that the country is occupied, which is, I think, one of those funny things about occupiers, right? Uh, but the other thing about it is, is that like you weren't allowed to show the devastation of the country, presumably because you didn't want to piss people off more that you had occupied a country for like three years and done basically nothing yeah. to rebuild it at all. Like, oh yeah, we'll let them figure it out. It's fine. What was the last Ozu we watched? Late, uh, late spring. Yeah, I think that so. Was, yeah, I did was, a I did a card on it. Yeah, that one involves um, and actual viewing of the uh, the occupied forces at times. Yeah, right, which may, but it, it has the flip on. of this one where it doesn't yeah. show any devastation at all. Right, right. But does show English signs and right. occasionally shows occupation forces and and which rather is, famously. Yeah. Uh, shows a Coca-Cola advertisement, right? Uh, as a stand-in for a man American cultural right. influence, and we also commented on at that time on a couple other things. Like, for example, there's a couple English-written stop signs and a few right. other things that are in right. there that are like really stand out because they just don't belong, especially to would especially to a Japanese viewer, just stand out like right, like a big signal, right? Whereas whereas here we have really no sign of the occupation except for the devastation. Which is, which is equally bleak, right? Like, I mean, it's right. actually probably even more upsetting when you think about it, right? Because there's no sign that there are any Americans in the city, but the place is a devastated war zone, right? You know what I mean? Like, which is equally upsetting in opposite sort of directions, right? It's like that. It it 
it's interesting how the sort of censorship rules help to paint an even more bleaker picture than right. if they didn't exist, right? Like, I mean, the censorship documentary talked about how they made him change the ending. The ending having had originally a very, like, strong anti-gang message. And they're like, well, we can't show X, so you're going to have to water this down and make it not that anti-gang, but instead sort of, like, more upbeat? But, like, less... Like, because the original ending was supposed to be, like, uh, what's his name? The Our main... uh, uh, Mifune's character. uh, I forget his last... Matsunaga, I think. Oh yeah, Matsunaga. Yeah, Matsunaga was supposed to like roll by in like a golden hearse, yeah, and find out like past like Okada's like destitute uh, funeral, and they're like, oh no, 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 we can't. Uh, and I don't remember what the censorship reason was, but like it's like, oh, it's not positive enough or something. So like, oh well, we'll just make this ending where like, well, the golden a hearse is a glorification up. of the gang violence anyway, I suppose. Oh uh, well, yeah, I mean, but like he, but yes, I can't remember but, what the reasoning was. <laughs> Yeah, I can't remember what the reasoning was, but basically Kurosawa had framed it as being like a big like yeah. fuck you to the yeah, to the gangsters basically because it's like he got that because he sort of at the end sort of turned away or so I don't remember anymore, but it's just interesting. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, the 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 censorship documentary is uh is an interview with a film scholar named Lars Martin Sorensen. Um and uh, and gets into some very very interesting things. Um, one thing he does point out that the reason this film is able to skirt a lot of the censorship issues is by 1948, the film publishing and uh, and music industries were reestablished well enough that the censors were just incredibly overworked and underfunded. Right. So. They had yeah. This is like I said something like. I forget the, how many what the numbers were, but it was like yeah. really ridiculous amounts per month of of stuff yeah. that they yeah. were having to check. Hundreds, hundreds of books, hundreds of movies, hundreds of songs. Period. Um, and uh, and also interesting, some of the more specific aspects of the censorship he got into, like the uh, the encouragement of Japanese films to show uh, uh, children playing baseball, right? Because the Americans thought that was a uh, would encourage uh, fair play, yes, which is hilarious. Play. The i the i it's just it's fascinating, right? Because like, yeah. it's really interesting. Like they had like, can't show xenophobia or bigotry or whatever in your uh, in your films, and then like they're making rules for the the Japanese based on like some some assholes beliefs that like, well, they're they're naturally deceitful. These Japanese, yes, it's like wow, just amazing. They. Uh encouraging people to put uh, movie makers to put in images of kissing uh to, to i don't even know what what they're to they're, be more open about to, stuff yeah. like not to do things in the dark like hidden because like oh japanese people are deceitful so we have to teach them to do to be more open yeah. and public about stuff which is hilarious because number one like yeah, I don't know. There's just so well, much. Number one, that... at the same exact time, American censors in America were we're not allowing yeah, kisses exactly. to make sure right, they exactly. didn't last too long. <laughs> so. Exactly, and and you know the flip side, the funny, the funny part about that is still not a thing done in public in Japan. <laughs> right? Jokes it's on you, occupying America. You can't make me. <laughs> you didn't win that one. <laughs> yeah, 
they won quite a few other ones. Well, yes, listen. <laughs> yes, I'm aware of this. All, I'm very, very aware of the fact that like, Japan is a very sure, different place yeah. than it was. But, uh, yeah, it, it is It is really... Uh, th- that censorship documentary is probably one of the most interesting things I've seen in a while. Like, it was yeah. really... It was almost impossible to understand what the guy was saying. So I had to go stand in front of my TV. I literally watched the entire documentary three feet from my TV because when I sat on my couch, I still couldn't understand him. I was like, I don't know what he's saying. I can't remember if he's Swedish or Norwegian. He is Nordic of some sort. And, uh, and yeah, it's, he's got just, as much, just enough of an accent. Well, it's it's more than – I don't know. For so, I don't know if it was like the cadence or something. It was more than just an accent thing. It was like, it was like somehow – when I got a certain distance from the TV, it's like it wasn't – it was like I was – I don't know. It was. It felt magical, yeah. honestly. <laughs> like I got within three feet and I'm like, I understand everything he's saying. I got four feet away and I was like, I have no idea what this guy's talking about. I, it was very weird. I So I literally stood in front of my TV to watch it. Fascinating. Um, my wife was very confused when she came downstairs. I'm like, sure. What I'm are sure. you doing? But is that just – Why do you look like your son? Like what are you day, doing? But... Yeah. <laughs> Another uh, interesting thing I learned in that uh, in that bit was that uh, Kurosawa wanted to use Mac the Knife from the Three yeah. Penny Opera to introduce uh, Mifune's character, I believe. Which would be perfect. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, and the American censors told him no on the premise that it was a German song, right. <laughs> which is fascinating and and uh, so instead he put in jungle boogie for like later right. on to be like just to really be like oh, fuck you guys yeah. uh. Uh. <laughs> yes um but uh but the mac the knife that uh that correlation got me thinking because it's very very much three penny opera in the idea that the uh legitimate political power and the yakuza there's no distinction within this right movie, well i mean right? we don't even actually see any air quotes legitimate political power in this right. film which is a right. fascinating thing right like i mean like really honestly like it but is what, a really interesting thing to watch a gangster movie with zero police in it yeah but what we do what we do see is that the yakuza are incredibly westernized they're wearing right. three-piece suits by the time they're like Onada returns, and he's in more traditional dress after getting out of jail. But by the time he's the established leader bad guy of all of this again, he's wearing a fedora and a scarf and a three-piece suit. Right. You know, he's he's dressed as an American. Mafiosa. I mean, he gets even more and more <laughs> like as it goes on. Right. He starts off in like a white suit, and then he gets even more sort of like movie gangster-ish as right. it goes on. Right. It's really kind of amazing right um and you know part of kurosawa's point here is the uh the yakuza as the political forces of japan that got them into the war of this this idea of honor being manipulated by leaders in the same way that onada uses the idea of honor to manipulate mifune's character right uh right <clears throat> that's what got them into the war to begin with. And coming out in 48, that's still obviously a very... Uh... Touchy. Yeah. Yeah. One might call it. Well, what's what's really fascinating that I've... that we a, a trend that we seem to have been seeing in some of these better uh, post-war directors in Japan 
is because we see it with Ozu as well, is this sort of step one is sort of acknowledgement that that's sort of like honor, death for honor and and sort of sort of in this movie refers to it as feudalistic sort of thought processes are dangerous and bad and are what got us into this position in the first place. Like an acknowledgement in a, in a, in a denouncement of that thought process, but then also saying like, but this American bullshit is not the answer. You know what I mean? Like it's, it seems to be a pattern in uh, Japanese directors from this time period, which I think is really interesting, right? Like it's like, yeah, we all agree. This shit's bad, but this, be- this other stuff is also not going to be good guys. Hey, uh, I, it's a, right. uh, I think it's a, a a pointing out that you reject the you are rejecting the uh, feudalistic honor code for the in equally hollow American neoliberal capitalist uh, like right exactly especially of that like post war era the like baseball apple pie horseshit. Uh, sort of mentality is like this right. is, this mean, is an equally hollow right. and villainous uh sinister uh you know cultural norm set right it, well exactly and then and then sort of like you combine that with the fact that like these are directors who are actively being censored while they're also be told that they have freedom now like you know what i mean it's that that classic just like talking out of both sides of your face sort of constantly from the sort of the american occupation that i think a lot that really upset a lot of artists at the time uh, was a big part of it too, right? Like, oh, you're free now, and then oh, we're also gonna go bust u- uh, unions, and we're also gonna go, like, we're gonna censor your work and all this stuff. It's like, well, like, that's not any better than like, from a like purely creator perspective, right? Like, you went from one censorship censorship board to a different censorship board, right? Like, oh, well, now the Americans are censoring us instead of our own government. That's We've re- right. look how Good, far we've come. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a and, it's a brave yeah. new world. Doing the exact same types of things, even if they're doing it to to different theoretically different right. ends, but right? also just not really different ends, right? Like when you right. actually like boil it down, right? The Japanese gover- you know, government and military at the time was censoring it to support to make sure that all films supported sort of Japanese ideals. And the ideals right. are slightly different, but like, really, as you know, time's gone on, and you know, we're in a place now, you know, the three of us, where it's like, well, like th- these ideals are hardly different at all, really. Right? Uh, it turns out it, comes down it doesn't it. matter what flavor your uh, both cultural and, in some cases, literal imperialism is. Uh, it's going to wind up well, exactly. Yeah, it will wind up it's... doing the same stuff of saying you are free to do whatever we have specifically allowed you to do. And right. literally nothing else. The, right. the, the, and you're actually uh, probably not free to do that either. Well, yeah, the, the notion of it's a free market unless you think that freedom involves you and your fellow workers deciding to perhaps get together to organize, uh, in which case you will find out very quickly uh, this is not free. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's a free country unless you think that private health insurance companies should not be allowed to kill people for sport, in which case you will find out very quickly it's not free. There are the, the, there are immediate hard limits on quote-unquote freedom. Right. It's just that, you know, well, and, we've swapped and exactly. out and like, our precious... For us, it's... You can't sass our precious corporations rather than our entirely fictional mid-20th century samurai class. 
Right. Well, and th- and you know, and that's all been you know. There's there's that sort of weirdly become integrated with modern Japanese uh, capitalism and stuff, and it's just it's all the same thing, right? Like the only the only sort of difference would be like sort of what sort of kind of what those things you're not allowed to say are are slightly different, but they all serve the same end. He, but, yeah, I was going to say, I think he even, he even in not that far from now, will come back and touch on this from that angle specifically in the bad sleep. Well, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and he gets into it a, a few different times, right? Because like uh, when we look at something like high and low, right, is an indictment of the idea that like, it, it really plays with the idea that like, there's this guy and like the police serve this guy up on the hill. Right. Yeah. That's who they serve. That's, they don't serve everybody. They serve this guy up on the hill, uh, which is a really sort of important thing that Kurosawa touches on in that movie. So it, it's, yeah, it it is interesting to see sort of the sort of beginnings of that sort of process here in this movie, right, which is a little bit more nascent. And that guy's name on the hill was are. Nancy Pelosi. <laughs> Listen, there's a lot of guys on the hill. That's, there's, uh, yeah, there's quite a few of them. I'm this just one pointing out that as day, a but... quasi-immortal lizard person, it's entirely possible Nancy Pelosi was alive in mid-century Japan. <laughs> oh, no. Lizard people. How black-pilled are you right now? Uh, well, someone pointed out that picture of her not that long ago where her face had, like, a bizarre moist sheen and said that, like, <laughs> and mentioned the thing that I think, like, certain geckos do where they, like, squirt moisture under their own face to keep wet. And I found I it a convincing argument, but all right, uh, all right, <laughs> I will respectfully disagree. Nancy Pelosi, the worst kind of Highlander. <laughs> well, I mean, to be honest, though, when your primary qualification as a Highlander is killing other Highlanders, she's actually probably one of the better. Oh ones. yeah, she's out. She's definitely her and Feinstein both have enough bodies on them. If I, I'm, at, I'm rapidly reaching the point where if I could go back in time, yeah, 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 sure, kill Hitler, but also probably do whatever necessary to make sure Jello Biafra of the Dead Kennedys wins the race for mayor <laughs> of San Francisco, I think it was, in the late 70s, instead of yeah, uh, yeah, letting that really... be the start of, instead of that being the start of Diane Feinstein's wretched and awful poisonous career. Uh, who, Feinstein who... did some good things in California, I will say that. But she told, she told all those kids, well, since none of you donate to me, I couldn't care less if you're all swallowed by the sea. <laughs> when they said, why haven't you done literally anything about global warming? And her answer was, well, none of you give me money, so right. can't see right. why I would do anything for you. Uh, just things that in a functioning society would be the end of your political career at a minimum. And... Well, since none of us have ever been or probably ever will be oh, yeah. in, we'll never see in air quotes functioning society. Well, society. <laughs> uh, anyway, I think <laughs> I think for, to contextualize this right, because, you know, by the time this posts, I think the. Uh, yeah, this is only 11 weeks ahead. Uh, I don't know that we're so 11 we'll weeks like, ahead right uh, now. Um, well, let me see if I can pull this up and get our uh, our published schedule out here. So this episode should post. Uh, August seventh. Um, that's how we roll around here. Yeah, because we're recording pretty high. Uh, but uh, but but Donovan Donovan obviously hasn't been on for a for a while, and we are recording this 
uh, right now, um, uh, June twentieth, uh, and if uh, if if by the time August rolls around, and there's a good chance this this will happen, if by the time August rolls around, uh, you don't remember anything that happened in America in June, like as though you can remember more than two weeks ago. <laughs> if you don't remember what happened sixty-eight years lot, ago uh, a, in March a, of this year. <laughs> There's a lot going on, Pat. Um, That's what I'm saying. It's like, yeah. I don't remember. I literally don't remember last month. Listen. Does anyone remember at the start of this year? The answer, of course, is no. But even if you did, the part where like two thirds of Australia was just openly ablaze. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. When that was the major concern. Yeah. <laughs> Although I've heard that uh, Asia is in for some uh, very grim global warming this year, uh, like an eight degree Celsius difference or something really oh, catastrophic. Yep. Yeah. That's what I've heard as well. Uh, uh, so it's going to be bad. Yeah. Mainland Asia, especially, has been suffering quite. Uh, extensively, extensively over the last couple of years, uh, like especially places like India have just been like baking. It's bad. Uh, you know, we get news reports here, and it's just like, and then you know, the, of course, the the sort of famines that fall behind that are really very yeah. devastating. It's 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 going to be bad. You don't say. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, we uh, get different global warming here because we're an island. What years look like? It's different. Uh, it's hard Mostly to say, but mainly just, uh, yeah, it's a, not having a, one uptick anymore, in the percentage of, of middle of downtown poisonous fens. Yeah. Um, actually, yes, because a lot of flooding, a lot of rain and a lot of flooding, like just, just very intense amount of just, why is it raining so much? Why won't it stop? Hey, we didn't design that to ha- hold that much rain. Oh shit. Here it comes. Oh yeah. New York. I forget um, which may, was it New York, Adam, some major metropolitan. It was last year, I think where it was like more rain. Oh, it's the giant sinkhole. Is that what you're going to talk oh, about? No, like they're like, there's like, their, their, their sewer oh, system everywhere. was just like never designed for this much water at once. And like, oh, right. I think yeah. it was. Maybe Brooklyn or the, one of the boroughs, I want to I say, man, in New York remember. was just like you could sail a boat down the streets with the overflowing sewer water because their drainage system was never designed for that. Yeah. My yeah, my town last year uh, flooded extensively, like lots of people, a few people died and like and and extensive damage followed almost immediately by COVID-19, meaning that like just there's been no chance to recover like the people in my town are really in bad shape things are rough here and and it looks like it's probably there's a decent chance it's going to flood again this year they've done some st- like sort of uh mitigation like they've tried but like they only had only have had like six months to try you know so they, like the solutions haven't come to full fruition yet and so could be another really bad year i'm i'm yeah. not looking forward to i it. will preemptively announce i'm sure it'll be fine I, I that certainly I is that hope. if there's I nothing mean, I've learned from 2020, it's that you can safely say I'm sure everything works out great. Uh, and six weeks from now, we'll all be dead. Yeah, it's yeah. I mean, you know, I have a little maybe. calendar where I'm just checking off the days until someone says the phrase. You think that's air you're breathing? But <laughs> oh no, oh no. Uh, anyway. Man, Toshiro Mifune, what a looker. Mifune, yeah, he's great. Also, uh, has like a bizarre... It's really interesting to see him in a... Go ahead. I was going to say, it's bizarre to see him in his quote-unquote youth, but he suffers from... (laughs) Suffers slash is blessed by a version of Patrick Stewart disease, 
where he just like came <laughs> oh, yeah. out of the womb looking like in his early to mid thirties, uh, and just like rode that for a hundred thousand, like the same way Patrick Stewart was bored, bald, and forty three years old. Yeah, uh, and <laughs> right, just yeah. stayed there forever. Uh, stayed there forever. And, yeah. yeah, and like, like only in like the last year or two, like, can you even tell his actual age? And like, is he showing signs of, in fact, being one hundred and seventy three years old? Uh, Mifune, I think, just came out looking like mid, right. mid, early to like late thirties, sort of depending on the film. Yeah, I would go late thirties. Now, to I think be fair, in this movie he is, he's mid. He is yeah, twenty eight. Right. Yes, but he. His actual I would age, say in this but... film he looks mid thirties, and then for probably the next twenty years of his career, looks late thirty 30s. years of his career, looks late thirties. Yeah, he yeah. he came out like an immediate like within a year went from like this to his like perpetual 15 years of looking like yojimbo <laughs> yes where like the only difference in role is like is he wearing glasses has he shaved other than that he looks literally the same <laughs> how how exactly angry does yeah. he look today? how many furrow brows and chin jaw like jaw rubbings per scene uh are we gonna get and that's how you can tell if it's a period piece or like a thing a contemporary piece What's really yeah, exactly. What's really fascinating to me right now is like watching this. I was like, wow, there was a time when Mifune was slightly less intense, like not a lot <laughs> less intense, but like slightly. Like he is, I mean, this is like a one on the Mifune scale, right? Oh yeah, he's 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 like I mean, it, it's it's intense for other actors. Like this would be intense for other actors, but on the Mifune scale, this is a possibly even a zero. Like I don't think he's even really crossed into his true powers. Like this isn't this isn't even his final. Form. Well, yeah. Listen, he can't yeah. even uh, beat up like an old drunk doctor in this movie when he's like shoving him around onto stuff all the time in the somewhat classic uh, mid-century Japanese film, like dudes having a fight shoving match thing where they just yeah, like just grab throw, each other ineffectually and thing. yell at each other a bunch. Yeah, I throw you under this thing. Yeah, and then this thing. Uh, we're gonna break all this shit in this. Yeah, room. we're breaking everything in the room, but like somehow no one's actually been hurt. Uh, and then the doctor is just throwing literally everything until he gets to the bottle of what looks like rat poison, but is apparently booze. Well, yeah, I mean, so there's some debate about whether or not it's gasoline or not, but uh, yeah, there's a bit I, when, earlier on. I, I kept being like, is the doctor joke, just but... drinking formaldehyde? Like, what is this? I kind of wonder, charm? right? Because it's just mixed in with his other yeah. shit. It's yeah. so like, wait a minute, is he just drinking medicine? Mm-hmm. Rubbing alcohol is not good for you. Oh no! Listen, I mean, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> so here's here's an interesting thing though. Is I was convinced for ninety five percent of the movie, okay? Yeah. That the the um, I mean, obviously, okay. Let me let me rephrase this, okay? This is this was a, a speculation I had from very early on. I was like, okay, well, this is Mifune. This has Mifune in it. There's a decent chance that that quote unquote the drunken angel was going to be Mifune's character. Right. Uh, I understood fairly early on because the the movie actually makes a direct reference to that uh, early on, and I was like, well, it's probably not. But like you know, I was still sort of expecting a sort of turnaround, uh, and it was going to be that that kind of movie given the name. And I was like, oh no, we're just not going to do that. That's cool. But uh, I mean, I like. Um, Shimura as a as the titular titular drunken angel. That's fine. It's good, uh, and I enjoyed that. I, I just 
I was still expect- expecting Mifune to have a turnaround at the end, and he just doesn't, um, which I thought was really kind of neat, right? Because, like, later on, he doesn't play the – I mean, he does play the bad guy fairly often, but not as often later on. He's not – Well, uh, he – He's a bad – well, I mean – Chris Howell films oftentimes don't have bad against, guys or good guys. I was going to say, he is he a bad guy who kind of discovers his, his own, uh, who right. like rebels against the circumstances he finds himself in totally ineffectually, right. but he is at least yeah. seems to be towards the end renouncing, if not right, his life path, the culture he has embedded himself in. Right. right, possibly, but keep in mind though that that's a, okay, there's nothing wrong with this, but there is a direct response to their throwing him away. It's right. not a response to like the perceived injustices that he has visited upon the world or something like that. It is a, oh man, these guys <laughs> fucked me. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and and not to say that that's not like it's still it's not good that he decides to let go of that life, but like that doesn't air probably air quotes qualify you as a drunken angel, right? No, you the, know? no, yeah. I think it's definitely right. the doctor. Like, he doesn't save anybody. He doesn't, and and so it's a very obviously the doctor. But like, I still kind of thought there was a decent chance all the way up to the end, like literally all the way up to the end. I was still kind of holding on a hope. So I was like, well, maybe he'll do something really heroic here in the last checks. My notes, three seconds of the film. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, he definitely had a, um, he had kind of a, uh, I, I was like fairly early on. I sort of suspected he was going to die on account of, he has tuberculosis and continuously does. Right. Nothing yeah. About it. Yeah. Uh, but I have to say the the knife fight he loses hysterically uh, was really something. Um, yeah, yeah, I it was good. I mean, it was enjoyable. Because um, uh, he I, he really has. They all have to some extent, but there is some. Uh, the the we've talked before about how much of this stuff. It, it was one of those movies where the knife fight in particular uh, was where I was like. Oh, that's where that's from. Uh, from a million other uh, media depictions, movies, anime. Uh, take yeah, your pick. References to it. Yeah. The bit where he coughs up blood in the midst of the fight. Right. I was like, boy, that is a scene. The the warrior in the midst of the fight uh, who just like staggers and hacks up his tuberculosis blood uh, yeah. is really something that I was like, oh, that is where that that's where that came from. Uh, right, right because right. it is well i mean like it, that specific right. even the way they frame it with the like cut to blood spatter on the floor thing i was like seen like literally shot for shot this is probably one of the most uh imitated if not outright ripped off scenes in uh yeah. popular culture well and and i mean yeah and, and we've we've definitely seen movies with that in it and then i also i don't know what movie but i swear to god i've seen a night fight in like a big mud puddle before uh <laughs> this was not mud but like i've seen very very similar um fight scenes in that that sort of like oh well we ended up somewhere very slippery and now we're still trying to stab each other uh <laughs> I don't. E- I don't even know if I could name consciously where it comes from, but I always have an unconscious idea that all knife fights need to take place in a thunderstorm. So, right, probably, right. probably stemming from the same imagery. <laughs> right. Yeah. I just have so many memories of knife fights, like where in movies where like everybody's slipping around and like falling all the time. 
Yeah. Because it adds that extra level of drama because you just really don't know yeah. who's going to get the upper hand at any given moment. I uh, think it was called... But you're I, mostly found the, I found the night side fight You're really mostly slipping on, uh, on other people's tuberculosis blood. Uh, right, yeah. right. I mean, that's the innovation people added later was, well, we yeah. just add more blood. A, um, and then they can slip on blood. I want to say a... I forget what it was called. Sword of the Stranger? There's some anime sword fight that's fairly famous uh, from a film yeah. that was released in theaters where they're fighting on a, like, uh, snow-covered wooden scaffolding suspended, like, oh. hundreds of feet in the air, and it is right. a, like, uh, fairly well-animated them just falling and slipping all over each other while trying to sword fight. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, in which you are like, well, these idiots are just literally going to kill each other. Like, one of them is just going to yeah. fall. It's not going to matter. But, um, yeah, a a common... Uh, again, the the more you watch Kurosawa, the more, like, you will have, it, like, at least one or two per film of going, oh, that's where that's from. Yeah, absolutely. Now, now the reason I never suspected that Mifune's character would survive uh, besides just the fact that he has... Uh, to a fatal disease that he's right. not treating. Um, okay, like yeah. let's be clear here. Well, I never thought he was going to survive. Right, I right. thought the tuberculosis diagnosis was going to result in him being like, "Oh, I fucked up my life. But I've got to do something to right. help somebody before I right. die." I do think. I do think uh, part of Kurosawa's political point here is that the uh, the idea of honor has so poisoned culture that no one who is bought into it can escape it. And the right. and the only people the only people who who are going to move forward are the people who have already rejected that idea <clears throat> whole cloth right yeah and it's in the same way uh, the, well and the that actual... younger generation that's represented by uh, the young lady who runs up to him at the end right right like, right it's the people who just have never had the opportunity to be infected by that nonsense right right and the people who you know the the Yakuza at this time are going to be, by and large, uh, you know, veterans, right? You know, so right. it's it's understandable that they they've just spent you know years with with the idea of Bushido being drilled into their heads, right? You know, so. right. Well, and even and yeah, and even the you know, it's yeah, exactly. Not even sort of more intense than that, right? Like kind of extending it into this sort of cult of the emperor and things like that that are really they were really uh deeply uh sort of probably psychologically traumatic honestly and then um combine that with the fact that uh you know again we've sort of talked about this before but everything i've read has been has really sort of drilled home the idea that like soldiers returning back from the front were greeted with essentially the the blame and derision like right. it was you know it was probably pretty from everything i can read pretty different than what we as modern americans do to our soldiers which is discard them like useless trash when they're when we're done with them listen sort of we ideologically our... deify them okay right and then treat them like garbage right yeah. like i mean they they come hand in hand right because they stop being people at some point and become some sort of um, right. Symbol, right? It's, what, uh, it's how we symbols treat all don't our have deities, to... Pat. Right, I know. Well, that's what I think. Symbols don't need to be fed, clothed, or housed. It's, right. you know, comes with the, the territory, right? Um, but uh, this was more of an active derision, right? It's 
it's more like uh, what I've heard people describe Vietnam vets sometimes. I don't I don't know enough about that time in history, but occasionally I've heard that that was sort of what they experienced. But like either way, um, that that sort of response seems to have also affected. You know, you see that a lot. How that affected in these movies, like when. The, they don't talk about them being vets at all in this movie, really, but uh, right. it's sort of understood because they are men of a certain age at this time. What right. you might call uh, a military-aged male, yes. I believe right. is the technical and, term. And so, th- and so they are, you know, that does probably play into it, right, when they when you start talking about Yakuza films from the time, right, and, and that mindset, right, of, well, we've got to sort of, band together but no one's going to take care of us so we got to get our own or whatever right so was anyone yeah. else that he I'm trying to think if was there anyone else that he wound up using a lot out of this film besides Mafune uh, I mean he uses uh, Shimura Takashi Mishimura quite a I mean is a famous actor okay yeah I was gonna say I uh, recognized him I couldn't and is used extensively by Kurosawa and a million other directors like yeah, he's, he's an, an Ikaru yeah. I was like I think he's I know his, he's an Ikaru I couldn't yeah. think of anything yeah yeah his filmography on his page is pretty oh, yeah. ridiculous yeah. it's three <laughs> columns each one has probably a hundred movies in it I yeah. want to say yeah uh, it's wild uh, uh, from Basically, nineteen eighty from uh, from nineteen thirty four to nineteen eighty. Yeah. Oh boy, that does appear to be. I mean, even Mafune, who is maybe a little more selective in his roles at a certain point, but that does appear to be the thing. Is just like there's no such oh, there's I mean, nothing in the Japanese film industry. Yeah, yeah you, there's no such thing as anything but a working actor where you are just right, crank, cranking him out. Um, yeah. That is absolutely true. You cannot that Japan has never really sort of it seems like had an A lister from an outsider. Yeah, I mean the person who makes three movies a year but makes a hundred billion dollars per film. No, like just their film industry doesn't seem to work that way. They still sort of in the have always sort of stayed in that sort of studio system. Like you're not necessarily anymore required to stay signed to a studio or anything like that. It doesn't look like, but like oh, you're not going to get paid like your wage for the next three years in one in one gig. That's just not going to happen. Like, even very, very, very famous people now, like, when you see them on TV, they're on TV constantly. Because if they ever drop off TV, oh, that means they're, like, probably they're not up. getting... Yeah, they're washed up. They're not getting paid anymore. They're probably going to be looking for, a, like, a different kind of job pretty soon. Because, like, you're either always on TV or always in movies or you're just out of work basically and it, you're never going to get paid enough to like not have to work anymore right like I mean American Hollywood actors if they the really A-list right if they got if they wanted to live normal people lifestyles could do that with one film and then just well, well I mean I did you know I got my X millions of dollars I'm I'm out peace out guys you know Right, because you could do that. Right? I mean, you couldn't because that's not how stardom and the sort of people who want to be stars are, are. Right, but the the amount that Tom Cruise gets paid for one movie doesn't happen in Japan. is enough to just not have a job anymore. Yeah, 
for the rest of your life if you want to live a modest, normal life, right? Right. Japanese actors don't get paid like that. It's from everything I can tell. Also, uh, Tom Cruise doesn't keep that money. He sends it directly to Scientology. So I don't know. I was I, I okay. Whenever somebody says, whenever I have to make an example, I'm like, I don't know the names of any actors. Shit. No, no, it's fine. Panic attack. Oh, <laughs> I know the names of three actors. Shit. I don't know what to do. Um, uh, RoboCop, the uh, uh, Terminator, uh, running out of actors. The uh, oh, right, right, right. The the woman who plays the girl who survives tuberculosis because she listened to the doctor uh, mm-hmm. is in the idiot for Kurosawa. And uh, and is in Good Morning, and I can't, I can't, I don't know the character name, so I can't, I can't tell. Well, that's what I'm struggling with is I can't remember. Yeah. I don't even remember. Oh, it's this. Oh, it's Schoolgirl. That's why. Yeah. I was yeah. like, she doesn't have a name, does she? Right. Um. Yeah, I mean, she she works a little bit going so forward, pretty yeah. off and on. So um, yeah, it seems most. Like. It it seems like a lot of the principals here worked with Kurosawa again at least a couple of times. Uh, whereas Shimura and, and Mifune, obviously. What, what is fascinating is Okada, the guy who plays Okada, has not even a Wikipedia page. Yeah, yeah. Which is kind of wild since he's one of the leads in the film. Uh, I was like... Does he have one in... I have not looked yet on Japanese. Or, oh, you know, I, you know, that's a good question. I should check. I did not open up the Japanese page for this one. Let's find out. Hope I know how to. I hope I know uh, how Okada's written. Uh, let's see. Here. He does have a Japanese Wikipedia page, by the way. I have. I have found it. Oh yeah, you went and looked. Yeah. Um. And and he does. Oh, have okay. A pretty. He's yeah, older, obviously. He His career Jap- started in 1921. Right, and then and, goes until 1964. Yeah. Uh, but it's still fascinating that he doesn't have an English Wikipedia page at all because. Yeah. In theory, probably this is not the only film he's ever been in that was translated. That has English subtitles. Yeah, like that seems unlikely, uh, since he did work through the the forties and fifties. Yeah. Also, the uh, the Google automatic translation of his Japanese Wikipedia page names this movie as the Dragon Angel. That uh, doesn't make any sense. Uh, is, I don't know why it would do that. Yeah, I don't know. Seems unlikely. <laughs> I mean, this that is this is one name. of the more straightforward translations of that we've gotten. Oftentimes, our translations. Uh, of these sort of this era of films are a little bit weird and wonky. This one is, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. pretty clear. Drunken angel, yeah, that means what it means. Yeah. All right, well, could be drunkard. I mean, I think it's less drunken and more drunkard, like an alcoholic. In any case, uh, dragon is pretty outside the. Uh... Yeah, it's not 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 what it is. I don't know why that is. I, I'm sure there's a reason, but I can't figure out what it is. I, I mean, weird that it's almost an English cognate, right? Or, you know, dragon and drunken. Like right, but like none what, of those, but, none but of those Japanese are, not, dra- right. are dragon. Yeah, I don't right. know what it's doing. Uh, good old, good old Google Translate sometimes yeah. loses its damn mind. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's. It's just a really good movie. I just really love this movie. Yeah. I, I mean, I it's say, really good. It's, it is. It is depressing. I was going to say. Down, it's I a downer. Like we can get to the ending, which is um, that this movie. I'm trying to think if there's. I mean, it's not quite the bad sleep well, or you know, 
high and low or you know it doesn't have quite the that um level for lack of a better word of just jesus christ man uh but i do think it is uh starts you off uh strong with the kurosawa uh there's a lot of fucking bummers in the kurosawa catalog uh are yeah. to some extent arguably even including things like seven samurai which ha- ends on a real fucking nope it's all meaningless uh everything is shit well, i mean that's that yeah that's essentially kurosawa's thing yeah. right like i mean they're pretty much every movie is that right yeah this movie i think uh, isn't avoids the like art borderline nihilist streak of some of the other kurosawa stuff but uh because it does have the uh if he had but listened it's more morality play than, uh, you know, like, well, than a like full throated condemnation of society as an institution, the way some of his other stuff is, because his his point is, if he had rejected these things that Kurosawa is sort of philosophically opposed to, and a lot of his work is about, then he would have lived, or at least, right, know, things would have gone yeah. probably better for him, like this, like. The thing that doesn't show up in subsequent Kurosawa movies as much um, is the is, good is the girl is the is the positive yeah, exactly, counterexample yeah. of like what you could like who who what what it looks like when you do things differently. Uh, right, that's... I would argue that that probably chalks up to censorship in the sense that even though those some of the, a lot of the the basic story is there no matter what, I would argue that when you know a censor is going to be looking at what you're writing. You don't even bother writing the sort of, you know what I mean? Like, Kurosawa at this time probably, honestly, was still just sort of self-censoring to a certain extent, right? Like, well, if I hand what I want to write to the censors, it literally won't even get me that, like, option to write the script, right? They'll read the synopsis and they'll be like, nope, fuck you, not happening. Um, Whereas if he writes something like this that has, for example, the good example in it, the young young schoolgirl, then, like he at least gets to say some of what he wants to say, right? Uh, and then later on, once the censorship's gone, he can just go full bore, right? And just be like, nope, life sucks. It's all bullshit. Right. Whereas whereas uh, Ozu's, uh, in that similar position, Ozu's response was to uh, to just write the script and do all of that stuff in the visuals, not the script. Right. The, the <laughs> doesn't script doesn't contain, right? right? So right. it's... Too- well, it was interesting to learn about the the sort of second stage where they would review the final film yeah. uh, from the other censorship agency, the Army censorship agency, but the fact that the two didn't communicate, so like right. they had different standards and stuff. So I, like it seems like Ozu really played that really hard, right? right where he was right, like, right. Oh, I, all the shits in the visuals, which the censorship, the the script censorship group doesn't get to see. And then when I hand it off to the military one, they're concerned about totally different shit, so they'll just let this stuff fly and not let other stuff fly. It's really fascinating, like, that 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 sort of game that people, the directors are playing, right? And then the, the guy talking about the the censorship thing was talking about zig- zigzagging, where they, like, go immediately from something that's really rough to something really positive so that the censorship essentially can't keep a hold of it. It's like, oh... No, it has a good message. See, this following scene is like a positive message or right. whatever, right? I do. In in what Donovan said that the 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 girl at the end is is sort of the the pinnacle of 
you know, what the moral of this movie is. Right. Um, it is interesting, you know, that when Onada returns, they make the argument that, oh, you know, women are equal now. You, you don't you don't control your your old mistress anymore. I, and of course, that's that, just as a quick aside there. One of my favorite um, things that I was wondering at watching this, uh, which was, boy, the the what seems to me to be a idiom translation sort of a thing is when they're he's he's they're at like a club or something like that. And he's like, when you've spent so long in the cooler, every woman is a dish. And it's like, what the fuck does that even mean? <laughs> and I was like, I was well, like, I, mean, I had a feeling like... that that's like an American trend. Like they had to. I was like, I wonder what the original literal translation is because the I, cooler I did not is definitely bother to pay a attention. Mid-century American term for prison, and right. calling right. every well, woman I mean, a yeah. dish is a real. Uh, God, what is that? I was like, what is that referring to? Or like, I wonder what the original context was. Well, I'm sure that like in those scenes with all the jazz music and stuff, right? It all just feels so American gangster movie, right? Like a thing that Kurosawa is specifically playing on. Whoever the translator was like, well, well, I'm going to get this tone across real clear right here, right now. Um, I didn't really pay attention that hard to what the... uh, original Japanese was and they didn't pay attention that hard. I, I, I th- my guess is it's probably pretty straightforward, honestly. That's sort of, that's not really how Japanese slang works that much. You know it what I mean? It was just the part where he like, said, you don't he, get like, a lot the, of like word cooler, replacement. Specifically, I was like, well, that's not right. Japanese. Right. Like that is. Yeah. Well, and that's, and that's the thing, right? Is it like Japanese slang tends to work with like the way you, yeah. way yeah. like suffixes work and stuff. It doesn't seem to, you do get word replacement, but not in the way English does, where you're like, oh, I'm going to take this word and replace it with a whole new euphemistic word that replaces it. You know what I mean? In my experience, I, I could be very wrong about that, but like, I don't think you would ever like – like something like replacing prison with the cooler is just like something I can't imagine would – I was like, yeah, I was like that, that. I was like, the cooler yeah. is a real dead giveaway that this has been a like American translated uh, subtitle. Right. Uh, where they right. had to like then, figure yeah, out what sure. the next. I was like, it was probably some slang for prison, and this was a you know mid mid twentieth century uh, translation. Well, really so they went with the films, like right? you know, American slang of the era, probably. But like, I also was yeah, kind of exactly. like, every woman is a dish. Like, is that was one where I was like, is that a literal translation, <laughs> or is was there some mid century American slang that I wasn't aware of for dish? Well, no. No, dish is definitely in in gangster movies a thing that they call uh, beautiful women. Yeah, for sure. Like I've I've seen that in enough gangster films. But the thing about it right. is, is that like I don't even know. I I, I now I kind of want to go back and check after this is over and be like, what did they actually say there? Because like it's really hard to like keep both parts of your brain working at the same time. Like to read in English and also listen to the Japanese and be like, well, how do these compare? So I don't usually bother, but I might have to go back and watch it. Yeah, I don't. I don't think in this particular instance there's an idiometric connection between being in the cooler and the word. Dish. Right. I, yeah. No. Um, I mean, I. I. My no. Guess I mean, is it is. It is a fun joke about refrigerators. That heavily I guess, in slang the... ridden in Japanese at all. Uh, but like, I'd ha- I kind of want to go check eventually and find out what he actually said there, because yeah, that's the other thing is like, we, you know, translators don't operate on like word for word. They were operate on feeling and 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 sort of the vibe of the thing and making it feel right, right, and getting across the original sort of uh, 
um, sort of like intent rather than uh, the actual words. So who knows what they said there? I cannot remember. Uh, but it'd be neat. I'm now I kind of I'm curious because that is a funny that is a that is a relatively yeah. amusing part of the film in terms of like the way he's talking and stuff. Uh, it's hey man right. when you That's... when you're fresh out of the cooler, every woman's a dish. We've all we've all said That's that. We've all been there. Yeah, I've said it. Whom amongst us uh, has not come out and opined yeah. thusly? But it does also make the broader point of uh, and having an American society too of. You know, women stepping up to fill the roles of general industry and continuing uh, culture on the home front, and then all the men returning and right. trying to retake. Well, those and yeah, positions. I mean, it's really and interesting. This this movie is pushback because, of course, you know, it has back, some right? of that kind of stuff in it, and it's really interesting to see in a movie from nineteen was it nineteen forty eight that that statement about oh, like that's not how the world works anymore. You don't control your you know former girlfriend or whatever anymore like the world's moved on and it's like and i'm sitting here in like 2020 i'm like hmm wait a minute uh it's it's you know it's it's weirdly optimistic in some of those phrases you know what i mean like about like the role of women in modern japanese society unfortunately like it's real very sure about that sort of a yeah exactly i'm like i'm pretty sure like the women of Japanese women's liberation in like the sixties and seventies would beg to differ um, about that. Thank you very much. Uh, and then also now because, um, sh- right? You know, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, yeah. June's really been. This has been June a hell of a month, man. Month. We're on like <laughs> we're n- only slightly past halfway. Uh, through this month, and it's been a rough one. You guys, we're uh, almost going... halfway through 2020. Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The longest year wait, in yeah, history. I can't wait for our new yeah. uh, Christmas well, sandstorms. It's uh, never going to end. <laughs> it's the continental United States is finished. <laughs> I I continue to get uh, grumpy looks <sighs> from reactionary or just neoliberal <laughs> judges when I uh, raise in court uh, the uh, I ask them to opine on my hypothetical at what point should grade schools or elementary schools stop lying to children in, in first through third grade science class telling them that there are four seasons I, I just I just like to bring it up every once in a while like at what because <laughs> Well, yeah. Does this oh yeah, up? I'm just because since like, they this is like I just like to con- occasionally shoehorning this them into with, your arguments, uh, uncomfortable <laughs> arguments about things they happily ignore. Otherwise, uh, I don't have much else to do, yeah. so just occasionally uh, making life publicly awkward for power is about all I can aspire to at this point. Uh, it's the I'm most really it's fascinated the most, by the most punk rock thing I've got available. <laughs> Being slightly annoying I, in public there contexts. You go. There you go. Like I like the idea that like you're actively trying to work into arguments like like segues bad like video segues like listen like, you know that the idea of like well you know and then the, it was it was June it was summer at the time speaking of seasons yeah and then just sort of segue into this like non sequitur for a little while like it's like, it's it's a uh, <laughs> at, or rather or you know I'm willing I was like I'm also willing to meet people halfway and say. That we don't get rid of it entirely. We just move seasons from to history, from class? To history class. 
And yeah. because if they this were, they we were a have. real thing, but you cannot in a straight face tell children that currently <laughs> is true. Yeah. Yeah. Well, see, I would argue that as, as we yeah. reach some sort of n- new plateaus <laughs> of global warming and climate change, that we'll actually just keep inventing new seasons. So we're just going to have more. For example, I feel like here we're getting new seasons. Oh yeah, listen, I'm willing to. Where it's like, oh, uh, now we now, have the this is the like, late have... the late summer rains as well as the early summer rains. We didn't used to have those. I am prepared. These are new. Yeah, to 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 go to like the full uh, Frank Herbert's Dune thing where they have like, yeah. uh, you know. Various different have, kinds of sandstorms. Yeah, storms. they have like a hundred different kinds of sandstorm or like. <laughs> yeah, that, that works too, right? Yeah, just like there's, there's, uh, there's there's um, early summer, uh, which is March to, we'll say March to to early to mid May. There's main summer, which is May through August. There's late summer, which goes through October to early <laughs> November. And then you right, have presumably we, you have right. break season, which is not winter, because there's no more winter. It is not winter, but you have a season that is not really fall, <laughs> uh, because it's seventy degrees in December last year here. So it's not really fall because you're too warm for fall. So it's it's break. It's the season you have that is the break from yeah. the three seasons of summer. It is not really fall. It's not really spring. It's definitely not winter. But you are at least not having your skin burst into flame the second you enter direct sunlight uh you know for a month and a half give or take so there are there are you know the new seas the new arrakis seasons of planet earth uh of various seasons of of fire but uh you know yeah there's early summer there's the season of fire there's late summer or or wind down summer where it's merely 87 degrees every single day, starting at six o'clock and going through to midnight. Uh, and then you have the, the summer break, which is mid-November through mid-February, which is the summer break season. Uh, and then you go back into early summer. That's kind of where things are. See, at. what I would argue, what, an important thing you got to get on top of, though, with this is um, – I think that somebody pointed out on Twitter a while back when I, one of the people I follow pointed out is that like we really fucked up with uh, coronavirus in that um, every science fiction uh, movie or book about like a plague always gives the plague a really wicked cool name, and then on tw- you know people now are just like, well, I got the Rona. <laughs> so, well, that's a letdown, right, for all science fiction authors uh, out there who name things like the Swollen Death Lung or something like that, and it's like, oh, I got the Rona. Um, you guys need to get on top of naming those seasons with really wicked, cool science fiction names uh, early on to make sure they don't just get named like early, mid, and late summer uh, or something like that. Or like ultra hot. KFC presents ultra hot summer or something like I, that. I also feel like they they didn't foresee when everyone, anyone's written about a pandemic, they just didn't foresee uh, like a Jared Kushner figure being like in charge of being, that yeah, thing. just like there's all kinds of ways in which like, obviously most pandemic fiction involves <sighs> some degree of like quasi apocalyptic failure of institutions. Um, right. With there's, the possible there's always exception of, I think yeah. it's literally, isn't it literally called like pandemic or outbreak or whatever the one with um, Kate Winslet was seven or eight years ago. Uh, that is about a pandemic contagion. Uh, 
which which actually does uh, posit that the world governments get together and do their best and a bajillion people still die, but they do eventually come up with a vaccine and so on and so forth. Uh, a, a movie that is more interested in tracking a hypothetical competent response to an overwhelmingly deadly disease, which would necessarily still involve a lot of time and a lot of death uh, before anything gets better, but does posit that like competency and a united scientifically based, um, you know, medically based response prevails. And like, they couldn't have foreseen that like, like a, a Trump government just like fucking it up on purpose and just being completely uninterested and actually do it like, not even like intentional and like intentional cruelty per se, just like general incompetence, corruption and disinterest. Like he can't be bothered to do anything about it. Uh, and then also uh, not foreseen in most pandemic fiction is like the fucking psychopaths who are like, I refuse to stay in or wear a mask. And this is an infringement on my right to go to Chili's. Well, see, I don't know that that's a hundred because like uh, there's in, some of that there's a, zombie. Films, yeah, there's some people there's who don't believe one it until it's group too of late. like weird, like pseudo libertarians are like, well, I'm going to shoot my way out of this shit. And then it happens and they get eaten. We, right? uh, like, that's pretty common. And, and in fact, uh, dates back to, I think the origin of that trope uh, is from the original written version, uh, short story, the birds. Where there is a, uh, which takes place in England, if you didn't, if you've never read it, uh, it takes place in England. Yeah, I've not read it. Uh, but... there, there's like a farmer who's like, yeah, this isn't that big of a deal. He's yeah. like, we're going to have ourselves a wild shotgun shoot. Do you want to come over? And the, the protagonist is like, uh, no, thanks. I'll pass on that. And then he goes to their house later. And of course, they've been like uh, indescribably, uh, horrifically uh, destroyed corpses uh, that the that the the protagonist can't even yeah. bring himself to describe uh and uh you know which i think is maybe the the first at least modern 20th century incarnation of the guy who the libertarian person who uh announces that this is all overblown and that individual people will will be just fine uh if they're if they're tough enough or have enough guns or whatever um but yeah yeah But historically, right. we have seen those same reactions. If you look at the 1918 flu epidemic, you know you have you have frequent pushback against mask laws, even then, of people saying this is this is all fake and masks don't do anything. And then uh, San Francisco, for instance, uh, finally there's enough public outrage at mask laws that they uh, that they uh, uh, take away the mask laws, and then a whole lot more people suddenly are getting infected. Go figure. Uh, Those yeah. second waves are a real doozy. Yeah. Well, they're going to be a real, real doozy if you never actually uh, get off of the first wave. Yes. If, in fact, your out. second wave right. and first wave are just one endless wave. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, you know, I saw saw some images of uh, of the infection curves from various countries. And America did manage to flatten the curve. They just flattened it at its peak. So... Right, you know, and then we ramped well, up, I mean, and then never and then came there's back that, down. There's a whole like sort of statistical problem of like, well, if one very, very, a couple very large cities flatten their curve, then the, you know, the 
mathematical contribution of those other smaller places that have not flattened their curve don't actually matter that much to the average, but actually do matter quite a bit in in uh, in the long run, right? Like, I mean, wasn't there like a thing where somebody was talking about like essentially because New York and uh, the bigger cities in California, like Los Angeles, managed to flatten their curve? It just sort of statistically hide it that every other place was still going yeah. up. I believe was was the yeah. was the analysis that I read. So that's a whole other thing, right? Yeah. Good work, everybody. It's great. We're gonna die. Yeah. Yep. Um. But. So yeah, about drunken angel. <laughs> I think uh, tuberculosis, we can, we can another scourge yeah. disease. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. You guys, we never, none, none of us got tuberculosis shots, I assume, right? Like, I didn't. Um, I mean, not to my knowledge. I was going to say, I can't, I guess yeah, I, I mean, don't you would know, probably but... know. <laughs> my children did, and, and every Japanese person still does. Actually, they get vaccinated for polio here, too, still as well. Um, so they have a big old nine, like, a, they do the stamp method yeah. where they stamp your arm and so every Japanese person you meet has a, a sort of stamp mark on their usually their left arm yeah. uh, even to this day uh, it's a really and you know it's a really sort of interesting thing that like we don't do it in the United States anymore so I don't have a I never got a TV shot and so um, they but they still quite a few of the ones that are not not necessarily considered required anymore in the United States are still actively done here it's not really relevant to anything it's just an interesting thing that like you know tb was something that was very 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 scary at the end of world war ii in japan like terrifying uh one of those yeah sort of a a a disease that you would sort of think was more or less uh dealt with by the end of the 19th century war-torn countries right oops nope yeah, yeah. as soon as you introduce... Because, mind you, Japan had extensive vaccination prior to World War II, but, like, war-torn countries, you know, like, have issues with, you know, the ability to properly vaccinate their uh, population and things like that. And properly do things like quarantining, right? Like, you can't uh, isolate people as easily and things like that. So this movie has some interesting talk about that stuff as well, I think. What's what's called the oopsie doctrine of, oh, whoops, uh, the entire medical infrastructure of our country is disintegrated. Right. Has been destroyed. Yeah. Uh, Unlike, again, the intentional or just casual neglect of the collapse of the American uh, capacity to treat public health crises. But, uh, well, do you want to? It's disaster capitalism, man. You yeah. you neglect something to the point that it becomes a crisis, and then you get to do anything uh, to respond to the crisis that makes someone a hell of a lot of now. money. Um, yeah, and you've made a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the you classic Margaret Thatcher, crisis, if I just d- intentionally defund and neglect the public transit system, People will get mad that it doesn't work, and then I can say, aha, time to let efficient businesses come in and buy it right. out and right. make it infinitely worse you know, and also office. charge you a shitload more for it. Right, right. And that is, yes, what we're actively doing through the post office for the last 20 years, too. So, yeah, it's... Uh... 
is great. But at least, you know, at, at this moment, in most American cities, there are not bombed out pools of tepid water. Just yeah, bombed out pools true. of residual not yet. tear gas. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, I mean, to be fair, uh, I went driving the last time I was in the United yeah. States, and I would argue slightly difficult to tell the difference. <laughs> Probably some bombed out pools of tepid water all over too. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> great. So this week we've been talking about Drunken Angel, Akira Kurosawa's nineteen forty eight film, the uh, debut of his collaboration with Toshiro Mufune, which he would continue for uh, decades to come and dozens of movies. Um, but yeah, it's. Uh, it's a great movie. Uh, Donovan, always, always glad to have you. Um, sorry we're so depressing this week. Well, but uh, it's, I thought it's it, been, was a, it was a sort of a fit movie for the times yes, in a the, lot of ways. The, the nature of the beast. Well, yeah. The right. medical stuff, the, uh, yeah. the horrific collapse of a, the, the culture living in its own ashes. Yeah. Uh, you know, the just wanton cruelty and treacherousness of every so-called uh, philosophical code that your country is allegedly based on. Yeah. yeah. Any number of things applicable to modern-day America. It's almost as if these things are perennial. Yeah. It's weird. Evergreen, you might call them. It's, uh, yeah. it's the thing about not actually changing the power structures, but instead just changing the people who are inside those power structures and pretending like that's good enough. That's an argument we have going back to at least, uh, what, the leopard uh, conversation we've been having on the podcast. Yeah, we've had this conversation quite a few times, yeah. yeah. Anyway, yeah, it was uh, Kurosawa's Drunken Angel. Next week we'll be talking about Monty Hellman's Tulane Blacktop, a 1971 American film. Uh, Yeah, it'll be interesting. It'll be another change of gears and, uh, yeah. We like we like that Criterion keeps sending us changes in gears. It's interesting. Yeah, every other, every episode, other episode. Yeah, pretty much. Um, so look forward to that, and look forward to uh, you joining us again. Thank you so much. Uh, this has been Lost in Criterion. I am, as always, the Adam Glass. With me, as always, John Patrick Oitari Dorgan, and we'll see you next time. Bye. See ya. by John Patrick Oatari Dorgan and the Adam Glass who edits it. We're a production of LiveToBrains.com. Jonathan Hape does the music. Check him out at JonathanHape.BandCamp.com. And hey, if you
if you like us, why don't you give us a review on iTunes, like us on Facebook, or support us on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash lostincriteria. We'd appreciate it.